Hello, and welcome to What Our Point Weekly, where we bring together a variety of perspectives to discuss the biggest stories of the week and decide what our point, or if in fact there are no point at all. Please, if you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at What Our Point. Today is Monday, June 22nd. In the background, you might hear little chirping noises. That is young Theo Beckshaw. I think that was one right there. Um, <laughs> so to start us off today, let's touch on a recurring topic in all of our lives, which is Donald Trump. We are now post his Tulsa rally. It There wasn't as many people as was thought. I think there was something like 6,000 people there by the fire marshal's calculation. Trump is saying that there was a lot more, 100,000 or something, but... Um, what what actually happened? Why don't Ben you start us off this week? It's always Dan. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Trump and his campaign have a lot of egg on their face because they got completely outmaneuvered by a lot of teenagers on TikTok and K-pop stands. And I think also the other big thing that factors in is the release of the report that six of his staffers who were there ahead of time tested positive for COVID, and I think two other Secret Service members as well. And Obviously, given everything that's going on in the world and the extent to which this virus is proving resilient and is starting to initiate its inevitable second wave, I think that also might have contributed to keeping some people at home because it is fundamentally stupid to gather that many people in an enclosed space, especially when some of them are of the elderly and perhaps less healthy persuasion. So wait, what um, influence did teenagers have? Yeah, so there was a whole campaign on TikTok in the week leading up to this where people were encouraged to create fake profiles, use a Google Voice number to uh, basically dump a lot of fake data and request tickets because you could apparently do this two at a time. And it's quite easy to sign up for a Google Voice number. They, the Trump campaign team had no security checks in their system. And uh, yeah, so I think... Well, first of all, this completely embarrassed Trump because they've been touting the fact that they had a million requests for tickets. And obviously this was all bogus. Um, but I think going forward, perhaps a more influential thing is going to be that this throws a huge wrench into a lot of the Trump digital campaign team's strategies, which is to micro-target advertisements using data that they are pulling um, from these kinds of campaign rally requests and that kind of thing. And this is already starting up again, I think in... Arizona, there's a Students for Trump thing that also has a public page where you could request tickets or request to, you know, even help the campaign. And so this is not going to end anytime soon. So they're going to have to completely overhaul their digital strategy, I think, which they don't really have a lot of time to do. And they certainly don't have the smartest people there making a lot of the decisions. So oh, wait, they we'll would see. have to completely overhaul it, don't they? Isn't their strength, their digital strategy? Didn't they have really good online whatever kpi or whatever just yeah, reactions the, to the a lot of that is based on this strategy of really doing micro-targeting advertisements that was kind of the big innovation at least in 2016 is they were gathering unprecedented amounts of data from users all over the place and then they would develop huge thousands and thousands of different ads and basically, they could look at your data. They could look for the different checkboxes that would say, this person is more likely to respond to this very specific targeted ad. And then they would show up in their Facebook feed or on their Twitter profile or, or whatever. And basically, the 
ways that they were gathering these data, they're they're not really going to have a way to target it as well anymore, um, based on all the fake shit that's coming in. Or was that completely Seth, wrong? Then? No, no, no. I was just I didn't know Seth. I was waiting for Seth to call on me. Uh, you know, I feel like he's just the host with the most today. So no, I think everything that <laughs> happened. I think like the Trump campaign was trying to spin it as, oh, they got everyone's data and information, and that's so great because now they could contact all these people who will never respond because they're not Trump supporters. But it was definitely an embarrassment. I mean, I think they had not only set up the indoor space, which wasn't full, which is the, it's the first time that there was like that drastic of like a not capacity crowd. It was somewhere between a third and a half full. And they had set up an outdoor space for the president and the vice president to speak at, which they just canceled because no one showed up. So I think this was kind of a, it was actually a huge win, I think, for people taking COVID seriously. And I think the president was probably a little stunned. He thought probably his supporters would say, like, F you COVID, I'm going to see the president. He's more important. And that was just not the case. And so I think this was kind of like a bit of a wake up call that people are taking the risk of dying seriously, thank God, and aren't just playing games like he is. I mean, and he had the most ridiculous statement at the event, too. I want them to slow down the testing because we're testing too many. It's making me look bad. Yeah, Christ. So is that true, though, that uh, people are taking it seriously? It seems like as things are opening up, people are becoming more lackadaisical. Are they? I don't know. Around me, it it seems seems like people are going out more and wearing masks less. But I also think that uh, it's not like things are open, so they can't be in super close proximity, but... Seems like the, the the next phase has already started opening, even though that was supposed to happen today. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of places, like for instance South Korea, which we've held up as a really good example of how to respond to COVID, they're already starting to see signs of a second wave, and because they had no new cases, their contact tracing is a extremely sophisticated and be extremely sensitive, and you have a population that buys into this kind of thing. So they've been able to successfully trace a lot of this back towards, you know, 20-somethings who have gone out nightclubbing and gone to bars and that kind of thing. So that seems to be what's driving a lot of this. Obviously, in the U.S., the same kind of factors. There's also the potential impact of the protests, which, you know, are obviously good, but they come during a particularly risky time. And we're yet to see, I think, in terms of where the, the virus progresses, how how impactful those are going to be as well. The other thing that this might be an interesting time to turn to in the podcast is the protests, how they have sort of morphed and changed in many different ways. The This week, NASCAR decided to ban Confederate flags, and then someone f- flew a plane over one of the races with a Confederate flag, and then also one of the drivers, uh, Bubba Wallace, I think his name is, um, the only black driver, found a noose in his garage. And then they've also, this is on the heels of, there have been some pretty suspicious hangings in California of black males. It seems like how I was thinking about this is that if this is some sort of war between the uprising and the powers that be that don't want to change... It seems like the the initial phase has sort of passed, and now you've got your your old guard cavalry coming in, these people behind the scenes that are sort of closeted racists. It seems like everything has reached a 
a deeper but but more dangerous and alarming pitch. Yeah, I mean, the, it's interesting to see, like, the, I don't know, if we're going to get, I think sentiment really has moved, and so sometimes when that moves, then you have kind of more extreme reactions, and I worry that we're going to enter into that phase where things are going to get, like, more extreme before they hit a breaking point, and I don't know. I, I'm definitely worried about the direction things are going. It seems like the there's, on, on one side of this whole defund the police argument, you have the the obvious examples of police brutality and over policing, but then on the other side, you don't have the police doing enough for communities or investigating certain things. So how do you? What is the middle ground between these these two things, and how 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 do we see this evolving? I I, I saw that that the bill that we were talking about last week has going nowhere in Congress. That the Senate side there was. I saw Tim Scott have this overreaction and start crying on the Senate floor trying to delay this bill. What is the progress for these things right now? It's very up in the air. I mean, I think like Tim Scott kind of in his pressure and some of the Senate Republicans pressure on Mitch McConnell is like the only thing that will make anything happen at this point. And the second option is elect Joe Biden in a Democratic Senate. And then this will be one of the bills that they pass in January of 2021. But yeah, we're kind of stuck in a little bit of a stall. I don't know if it's because the protests have taken a little backseat to the like resurgent COVID news, but it seems like in DC, at least for now, they're kind of at a bit of a standstill. Got it. So where do we stand? Ben, do you know what the odds are right now for the vice presidential candidate? Is, is Elizabeth Warren still seven to one? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I can look them up real quick. I mean, Klobuchar dropped out. I think that's probably the most significant news. Um, I think, you know, the field is probably really starting to narrow. I'm not going to look it up right now, even though I want to. But um, So I think I think the latest odds were that Kamala Harris was at, you know, two to one. Uh, really? And then that high? Drop off after that. Yeah, that after the Klobuchar news that she wrote, jumped to two to one. Mm. Even with her spotty record on criminal justice? Well, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Some people would say relative to other people in that position, she was progressive, right? And so then she should get a lot of credit for it. But I think that will be definitely a debate if she is, in fact, the choice. Definitely been a lot of buzz that maybe Joe Biden would play it safe and pick one of the Tammies, either Tammy Duckworth or Tammy Baldwin, who are kind of Midwestern senators, and try to shore up that vote and... uh, and that might be the case. If I was pulling up 10%, I don't know. Maybe you just go that route. What happened to your Val Dimming's prediction? I don't think that was my prediction. I think she's still in the short list. I think her, Susan Rice, are also in the short list. But I don't know. I eventually you to see. I think you probably have still, probably about a month from today, I think it'll start getting really serious. Kamala Harris is minus 130. So yeah, that means that she's more likely than not to get it. Who's second? I'd take the opposite of that odds, right? Anyone you think is more likely than not to get it at this point in time, I think that's too. Uh, yeah, that's it too took much. you like two minutes to look it up. You said you yeah. weren't going to do it. He's All just right. a betting man, betting yeah. man of heart. What are the Val yeah? Run down the odds, and I'll tell you who Val I bet Demings, right now. Val Demings plus five fifty, so wager hundred to win five hundred and fifty. Susan Rice plus six fifty. Keisha Lance Bottoms plus fourteen hundred. Elizabeth Warren now plus seventeen hundred, so that is out. 
Michelle Obama plus seventeen hundred. Oh, that's a good one. No way. Stacey Abrams plus two thousand. Tammy Duckworth plus thirty three hundred. And Amy Klobuchar plus five thousand. So is Tammy Baldwin on that list? Tammy Baldwin is not on this list. Damn. This was updated two days ago. So. Wow. Well, I would take. You should be selling Tammy parlays. I would be taking Tammy Duckworth on the uh, for those odds. I would say definitely out of that list. All right, you heard it here first. If you want to make some money on the vice presidential, <laughs> I mean, what was that bet there? Like twenty to one? I couldn't even. I don't remember what what exact number. Oh, said. thirty-three to one. Thirty-three to one. Oh, thirty-three yeah. to one. I would definitely be taking Tammy. <laughs> and then if you can get the other Tammy when she comes on the board, I would I would load up on Tammy at thirty to forty to one. That is a great bet. The Tammy parlay. If, you, if eight, both yeah. of them landed. Well, I, I don't think it could potentially be both. But if you could do an either, but if you could do an either for whatever, fifteen, <laughs> I guess you could spend them individually, it's better. But that yeah. would be kind of cool if they if someone ran two two vice presidents. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately, in the constitution. But you know, in Seth world, maybe that would work. What would you if you would change the constitution, what was the what would be the first thing you'd change, Dan? I would say popular vote, but you don't technically need to change the Constitution to do that. I would say one term for the president, six years. One term, six years. Interesting. Yeah. And move the other election cycles a bit, adjust them. But yeah, I think one term, six years, yeah. I think you should be able to run again once you've taken a break. Maybe. That could be a good one. Two terms, but non-consecutive. I like that idea. Yeah, then we could just run Obama again and be like, oh, we made some really stupid mistakes. Let's just get this back. But then you can only run for one term the second time. So you can do two, break, one. Ooh, I, I kind of like that. The victory lap. Yeah, and then if that happened, then the, the only in that situation could you run for a third time, but then you'd only get two years. Well, that seems a little complicated. But <laughs> um, I think that would probably be one big one. What would you do, Ben? How, would you, what is, how do you prefer the Portuguese governmental system over and or, and and what do you and what do you what what would you rather have in Portugal than America has? Uh, beer varieties. I don't know. Like, in how terms much the of, government has to do in terms with of it. Like government, Ben. I don't. I mean, I'm not like a, a expert in civics here in Portugal. I, uh, Got it. A lot so you're of the happy with all of... have actually has actually had to be put on hold because of the whole COVID thing. So I'm still I'm a legal resident here, but I've not been able to apply for my citizenship or anything like that, which I'm now eligible for. Got it. So you don't. When do you vote for your parliamentarian or whatever? Again, I don't. I don't know. You don't even care. God, you're such a terrible. I'm not eligible citizen. to vote. I'm I'm, I'm I'm eligible for a passport, um, but I have to be here for like a lot longer until I'm eligible to vote. That's really? a good step one, passport. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you have to have like a certain number of years um, on the passport. So wait, if vote. I married a foreign woman, she how long could she vote in the next election if she moved to the yeah. U.S.? Needs a green card. And then needs to become a citizen, so it's a long process. She would have yeah. to be a citizen. She couldn't just vote yeah. with a green card. Agreed. Got it. It seems like a long process. Okay, so what are y'all? What are your thoughts on um, mail-in ballots? Is this is this going to be a huge issue in the election? It seems like um, yes. every day that passes, yeah, I'm getting more nervous. 
it seems like that uh, there's not enough. There's not going to be enough of them. Are there going to be enough mail-in ballots? And like my, for instance, I I requested my ballot for this primary two and a half weeks ago, and it never came. So I'm going to have to just go to my polling station tomorrow. Yeah. So that's the big problem is that like. A lot of states have this capacity, but they're used to like 1% of the voters voting this way. And in many states, it might jump to like 10 or 20 or 30%, if not more. And so we have like a huge problem and the Democrats are trying to get it fixed as soon as possible. And Trump has decided that if the vote election is by mail, he will lose. And so he's trying to do everything he can to throw wrenches in it, including I think he might shut down the post office in November just because then he could actually win that way. So I am, I would say, exceptionally worried. It's probably the and best is that true? If, if the, the, the more mail-in ballots, the worse for Trump? Well, I don't know if it's definitely true, but I do know that he has tried forever to, the Republican Party has tried for the last 50 years to make it harder to vote. And so mail-in ballots could make it easier to vote, and then they would have a problem because they have come to the conclusion that more people voting means Republicans will never win an election, which is a sad state of your party. But you made the point in a previous podcast that older people might be more likely to vote if the, there's more mail-in ballots. Right. I think so. I think the problem is that Joe Biden is now doing very well among older people. And so maybe that's not as big of an advantage as Trump would have thought. And so maybe that's why he's anti. And like the people who would request an, a mail-in ballot who are older would skew like higher educated and so therefore would be more likely to vote for Biden. I don't know. It's definitely a bad combination of facts. Well, also like there's sort of a demographic issue with the fact that more rural people are going to have issues with the post office, right, in general. So that's also right. pointing. So that could go Trump's, against them, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And so what do y'all think of uh, all this John Bolton mumbo-jumbo? I mean, John Bolton had the opportunity to testify and tell all this and get Donald Trump impeached, and he chose to wait and write a book about it. So I don't exactly think he's like Mr. Morality, you know? No, he's pretty good at riding the fence, like trying to claim some kind of moral superiority when actually being a total fucking coward, so... Well, he also wasn't he his qualification just being like a talking head on Fox News before he entered the White House. No, No, he he was former ambassador. He's one of the more accomplished people that Donald Trump has hired. I think he's and terrible at all the stuff he's done, but he has had a lot of important jobs. Yeah, I I just always with basically everything he's ever said or believed in, but like right, exactly. I just knew, knew of him as being very hawkish on everything. Right. Um, he worked for the first President Bush and helped us get a, get us into the Iraq War. So, got it. So, I mean, it is. It's very. Uh, it felt very American or Trumpian of him to just say screw it and make a bunch of money off of this book because it's now going to sell a ton of copies. And I mean, do you really think he would have been impeached anyway? It's hard. I mean, although although I'm not saying he's a good person, it just seemed like from his, if I was in his shoes, I would be like, it's not like my testament's gonna really do anything for our country anyway, and it's not like he ever 
showed much loyalty before. I mean, if he was that type of person, he would have never joined the Trump White House in the first place. Just seems like we are in a pretty um, fucked up state right now. That this is how everything is sort of run through the media. All of our everything's run through the court of public opinion. The Mueller report. I mean, when was the last time you even heard of of what is his first name? I don't even remember that guy's name. Robert. Mueller. Robert. Robert. Robert Mueller. I wonder how he is doing during the COVID era. Well, there was right. news recently that, like, basically admitted to lying to Mueller at one point. Like, that came out, I think, last week, and no one talked about it. Because I think at the same—was that the same day that Barr tried to fire the U.S. attorney for New York City? I can't remember uh, exactly. But basically, it came out that they fucking admitted that Trump had just lied and that he had direct knowledge of everything that came out that Stone was doing with WikiLeaks. He— knew exactly that it was coming from Russia and yep no one no one ran with that story so well cool. i mean I, there's literally nothing that can be done to him at this point nobody everyone within his base doesn't care that he's lying and everybody on the other side knows that he's lying and there's nothing you can do about it so i guess we're just going to be stuck with this until november fingers crossed i think sadly yeah and if he gets reelected we're all just totally aft so, that's dangerous. I mean, we might deserve it. We kind of deserved him the first time. How would your life be different, Dan, if Trump got elected? If he got reelected? Yes. I think I'd be very sad. Would you Would you um, take another detour away from politics? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I would have to give up because I would have been like 0 for 2 at trying to help get this uh, person out of office. I'm really nervous that it's going to happen again just because of how similar it feels to the buildup to everyone being like, oh, man, this is a shoe-in. Look at how many times he's fumbled. There's no way he's going to get this across the line. Right. And he does. I mean, what's the worst? How, how could it all switch the other way? Last, last time everyone said it was um, Russia and Cambridge Analytica, right? That that was – is that – are those still the, the, the biggest threats to his, for his reelection? I mean, I, I think it's like last time it was very, very close. And so some of those things at the margin can help. This time, it's like not that close right now. So the biggest thing that would happen is like some massive issue for Joe Biden. But barring that, like Trump barely won last time and he's in a much worse position right now. What would happen if Joe Biden died between the Democratic convention and election day? So it's never fully happened before, but the theory is that then his vice president would be the president. There you go, two vice presidents. Right. Oh, then, but then the new vice president has to be confirmed by the Senate. Uh, so it's still a little confusing. Gotcha. Interesting. Actually, just going back to the doomsday scenario, I think we talked about it last week, how Putin is mobilizing all of his troops. Like, what if he just drops a vaccine to Trump and, you know, October 15th? What does that do? That's actually a great one, that Trump gets the vaccine and then rides that wave. That yeah. could happen. Okay, now you have me actually scared, because that's a good... Yeah. That's and a actually, good... Putin was talking about October as being the, the goal. The... Do you think the Russians are most likely to win the vaccine race? Right now, yeah. Like, given all the measures that 
they have, like all the resources at their disposal, the fact that they're completely authoritarian and they have little regard for the welfare of who they're testing this on. Yeah, it's probably going to be them. So what's going on in their testing? Is it like... Uh... No one knows, really. They're just like basically able to recruit huge members of their army. They're able to control like all the settings that they're in, everything that they've encountered. They're able to test them like constantly and probably just you know keep them completely confined isolated from each other so you have essentially perfect data that you need to analyze very quickly and and you're done you can just race through trials in that situation the problem with human trials is that humans are you know complicated yeah, we have lives yeah we like you know it's it's very different than than mice which are kept in a controlled environment in cages if you're able to do that with your military, then your human trials are going to go a hell of a lot faster because there's no noise from external factors. So, yeah. That's a little scary. Yeah. But, yes. I mean, within, at that point, are. like, wouldn't China have a vaccine? Maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like China was so crippled by the initial response to a lot of this, and they're doing so much damage control on that front. Um, it's possible, you know. God knows what they're up to as well. But yes, that's also the kind of regime that you would expect to have these kinds of capabilities. So you feasibly think October could now be in the realm of possibility? I, I like it's based on very little. I think it was like, I think Putin released some statement. Who knows if it's true? Uh, but if he has the ability to do all these things, um, then yes, you could in theory race through a vaccine trial like fairly quickly. Like you'd still, you know, there's kind of a baseline number of months you have to wait to see if people are going to have a reaction. You have to test the stability of the antibody and, you know, its ability to neutralize, neutralize a few months out at the very, very minimum. Like you can't do it. You have to do it. You have to wait until sort of the initial acute response to the vaccine dies down. And so you have to wait to see whether or not these antibodies can then be reproduced upon subsequent exposure to the virus. Otherwise, there's no point in having a vaccine. So mm. that's kind of, you have to wait a couple of months at least, probably, in order to then do these kinds of stability tests. But yeah, I, you know, therefore October is within the realm of possibility right now. That would be a great, that would be a fun end of the story if uh, Trump and the Russians, their final gasp, try to win the election they come together i don't even know what they would do how would they even how would i guess trump would just distribute the vaccine to everyone and then everyone would vote for him well there's no way they could they they can't get it done that fast but he could just talk about like how putin's such a good friend of his he's done so well to build this relationship blah 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 we're gonna have the best vaccine it's gonna be tremendous yada 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 trump keep america great I could see Ignoring that. Ignoring the fact right. that this fucking idiot has killed 80,000 Americans to buy just not wearing a mask. If you wear a mask, you will stop transmission to about 70% of the time. So 80,000 Americans are directly dead because this dude won't wear a mask. And I think it's probably because he thinks that like all of the bronzer that he puts on his face is going to come off and he's going to look stupid. I think so, yeah. probably right. It's true. It just doesn't look very cool, I think, is part of his problem. Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at WhatOurPoint. We 
hope you and your families are still staying safe, still wearing masks, still taking reasonable measures, etc. Black lives still matter, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye now.